0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: Where are we? We are in Luxembourg, in a town called, called Bridl. Yeah, this is my my house in Luxembourg. And who are you? I am Bob Jungels. I'm a professional rider with uh, the Kuni Quickstep.
0: What's the plan today, Bob? Where are we going to ride? Hopefully some of your favorite home roads.
1: I will try to show you a bit more of the northern part of, of Luxembourg, and uh, it's not going to be a super long ride, but um, <laughs> just, uh, uh, no, it's, it's my fa- one of my favorite roads on Sunday, so it should be quiet, and I uh, hope you enjoy it.
0: I will enjoy it, especially as I forgot my pedals, so you've <laughs> lent me some pedals and lent me some shoes which I'm really grateful for because I've been looking forward to this ride for ages. So let's head off. Sure. Let's go. Nice, it's super quiet here. Yeah. Or is that just true of Luxembourg all over?
1: I think if you go more south, it's a bit more busy. Yeah. But um, for the rest, if you don't stay in the cities, it's okay. I mean cities, there's only one real, city.
0: but and it feels like a town to me compared yeah. to London where I've just come from. Yeah. So how often are you back in Switzerland?
1: Uh, most of the time, I mean, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I enjoy I enjoy some time here in Luxembourg as well, of course, with, with the family and especially these periods where I'm away really for a long time and uh, three four weeks in a row. Yes. Just enjoy to come a couple of days back to to Luxembourg, see the family before completely being uh, in exile on uh, <laughs> in Sierra Nevada or going to the Giro. And no, I'm a very social person, I would say, and I I need this to to clear my head as well, so
0: to recharge the batteries. Exactly. Yeah, so we should explain for people listening that. This is a bit of a moment in time here you've just finished the classic season you had a good season especially the team had a good season yes you've done a training camp in the sierra nevada in spain all right and now we are well less than two weeks from the start of the giro d'italia in bologna so what's this kind of period like for you is it just sort of more relaxing than training? Or is it tapering? Or what what do you do in in these kind of couple of weeks?
1: Mostly recover. Some small intervals to to keep the engine going, but for the rest, uh, I guess it's most of the time just, um, yeah, keep the leg spinning, but nothing is changing your form much anymore, so.
0: And now you've been a pro for seven years. Does it just feel sort of automatic to do this kind of stuff? Is it just your, routine or do you have to think about it still
1: i think after several years you just get a feeling for uh for your body and uh yeah you know what you need and what at what time of the what period of the year and had a a bit of motor pacing yesterday to get some some speed into the legs again Uh, today's a pretty easy ride
0: good Yeah. I've seen what you're capable of. (laughs) I was a bit nervous about that.
1: No, 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 it's it's a beautiful day to
0: It is, it's super quiet here in uh, northern Luxembourg. Yeah. Sort of rolling hills. Are there any decent climbs in Luxembourg, or is it all fairly Um, sort of rolling and hilly?
1: I would describe it as hilly, but uh, if you go really to the north there, you can find some Three to five kilometer proper climbs. Yeah,
0: towards the Belgian border, right?
1: Exactly, yeah. and uh, yeah, especially some some steeper climbs. So it's it's a bit Ardennes style. Yeah, of course. That's probably why yeah Luxembourgish ride is always a bit related to the Ardennes classics as well.
0: And you've won the greatest of them all, right? In Liège. Uh
1: my favorite one, yes. Yeah. For sure. When did you decide you wanted to be a, a cyclist? i actually started when i was uh six years old so really young actually and um, just through a friend who was uh who was here in the local team and i uh, he just said one day okay let's go let's go for that training there at uh in Dipach there's that small team and they go for a ride every thursday and uh so that's what we did, and but basically... Bob,
0: it's just going to sort this out, it's a little bit loose. I think that's OK.
1: Is your brake rubbing also?
0: No. Oh, when, when you hear that noise. Oh, it's the... It's, the, it's, the, it's the, like the blocks okay. they use. Right. Yes. You're left here. So, sorry, yeah. So I was saying, uh, sort of what age did you decide you wanted to be a professional?
1: I think it really started when I became a uh, world champion uh, as a junior. Yeah. And uh, in time trial. So that's probably when uh, when the dream came uh, a little closer to become professional. And, um, and then two years later, or two years later, I, yeah, I got there with uh, Leopard Continental and then afterwards with track, obviously.
0: Winning the Junior Worlds, is that when you thought, I, I actually can make this my, my career? Is that the moment you decided it, it was a possibility?
1: Yeah, I think it's still a, still a very big gap between juniors and uh, under 23s and they get a lot closer to to what we are right now. But yeah. Junior, I mean, you're still in, your body is still developing. And uh, of course I was impatient and I wanted absolutely to get to a professional team. And well, I was lucky enough to have a good environment. Yeah, which taught me that patience also. And i uh, very grateful for that. And uh, I think it was just right afterwards when I, uh, I came under 23. That I I got in contact with that Luxembourgish uh, professional team at that moment, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, so things sort of just happened. So I've done one year in under 23, just in the local team here, racing a lot with the with the national team, obviously, and then. Uh, yeah second year on a 23, I was in, uh, in that continental team uh, after the merge of uh, Leopard and Radio Shack. Yeah. Yeah, every step has been very carefully chosen, and uh, um, yeah, like I say right now, I'm very very grateful for that.
0: What was it like racing with some of those big names at the time? I mean, you mentioned Radio Shack, and we all know who was riding for RadioShack Shack then.
1: Your first training camp, you there with Kanchlara, the Schleichs Kluden, Hondo was there, uh Danilo Hondo. I love
0: Danilo Hondo. Oh yeah. He was a great rider. <laughs> yes. For people who don't know, because he grew up in East Germany, didn't he? Yeah exactly. And he was a, a really strong six-day rider as well. Yeah. And were your family always really supportive of you going into cycling or did they, did they think you might become
1: something else? No, I've always been uh, very lucky, actually, to uh, to have an environment that supported me in every decision or uh, wish I had. Yeah, so I had a very fortunate situation uh, to be able to attend sports college here, because the country is so small. We don't have that many sportsmen, so can actually they can really focus on on you individually and uh, from my family to school to everything, the the Federation, it's always been, uh, like I say, a very uh, healthy environment, I would say.
0: Yeah. And were you always really strong on a bike? Has that always been your thing? Because those of us who've seen you, I saw you at the Tour of Britain, which obviously I work on as well, towing around Julian Alaphilippe. You just seem to love hammering it at the front and trying to drop everyone else. Have you always been like that?
1: Uh, It's always been like that, yes. I uh, (laughs) always won my races since I'm small from pretty big distance. Very rarely in a sprint though. My main strength is maybe to to be able to be in that very red zone for quite some time. And uh, it feels good though. You enjoy the suffering. It feels good when when they suffering you will.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what about when you're suffering? Do you embrace it? Do you,
1: um, do you like the reminder or well, I guess you you have to a little bit. Yeah. Uh, otherwise you wouldn't be professional. It's uh It's daily business the the suffering. So luckily not on the ride like today but uh, like I say I've been in in altitude now for three weeks, and uh, I've had plenty of, plenty of suffering every day there. So from training to racing, it's always, um, I think it's just part of the game. What does it feel like when
0: you're at altitude, and then also when you come back down somewhere low like this? Do you feel, do you feel the benefit?
1: Not straight away. I think uh, the biggest effect is, of course, the just the mountain training, which. I don't have at home, even though when in Swiss, um, I have a lot of mountains, but then uh, again, you have the lack of recovery and in uh, altitude and uh, all sort of things that actually make life harder. yeah, and a lot easier down here. So
0: cool. Teach me for looking at my camera.
1: Do you enjoy the climbing? I mean, I spoke to
0: Nicholas Roach for Home Roads last year and he was saying he's a climber trapped in a ruler's body. He just, he always feels like he should be (laughs) just two or three kilos lighter because he loves climbing, but he's not built for it.
1: Same thing goes for me. Uh, I'm not especially uh, the climbing type. Of course you have those very little, skinny climbers and uh, taking the example of the the Colombian riders for example. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I enjoy climbing and it's especially the the way how GC riding also developed during the last years. It's quite interesting for a guy like me. Uh, If you've got strong time trial and um, you're able to reduce the amount of time that you lose on the climbs, Yeah, you can do a very good GC. So I would also love to have two or three kilos less when it comes to uh, the Mortirolo and Stelvio stages. And that's uh, a certain thing.
0: But do you think these days there are just more guys who are all rounders? I'm thinking of you because you can time trial, you can get high on GC. Um, you can win a race like Liège. But then also Julien Philippe, who's your great friend, you know, he can out sprint sprinters and he can get the polka dot jersey at the Tour de France. There's just more guys like that who can do more things. Does it feel like that
1: way to you? Yeah, races get more and more uh, unpredictable, especially the, uh, the one-day races. I think they a race like Liège or the Flanders Classics you never know how they end. No. So, I guess during the years, riders they just adapt yourself also a bit to the to the situation. So, uh, taking a rider like Julian, he, if he's in a position to do a very good GC, he can do also a very good time trial. Yes. Peter Sagan can do a very good time trial if he's in the position to, to win a GC, even though he's not a time trialist. So I guess. It's also very much a mental thing how you approach a race and how you, uh, yeah, how much you really want to have that victory.
0: And I guess the other thing is those riders coming from other disciplines like cyclocross, about Van Art, who are just so ridiculously strong. They have incredibly high VO2 max and they can
1: just suffer for a huge amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we have two very good examples with Fout uh, van and uh, Mathieu van der Poel. Yes. Coming from cyclocross. In cyclocross, they are very special riders, not only coming to the road now. So um, through the abilities that they have because of cyclocross, they yeah. just, they can suffer a lot. And survive very hard races, even though you would say uh, maybe those races are not made for them because they are too heavy or they're too the races are too long. And uh, and then on the other hand, I think it's just two very talented and disciplined uh, guys also. Yeah. So. Have yeah. Uh, you ever tried cyclocross? I did. Yeah. Uh, I was riding until I think it was second year junior actually I was still doing uh let's say a proper cyclocross season uh I think my best place ever in the world was 12th or something so come on that's pretty good it, that's pretty it wasn't bad that wasn't bad but I think I was more more made for the road <laughs> you don't like the running uh it wasn't the warning but most of them they were really small guys, very technical and uh, Yeah. So yeah, like like Julian he was when I was twelve he was second. It helps you a lot afterwards also. Yeah. yeah. From riding in a bunch and all kinds of technical descending and the skills that you get from cyclocross is actually almost mandatory for for a pro cyclist.
0: Yeah, yeah. So tell me about Julian, because this has to be the biggest bromance in pro cycling. But you've known each other for a long time.
1: Since I'm in the team, yeah. yeah. So for four years. Okay, also oh, not, that long. not no, that long. No, no, no. We raced uh, against each other, but uh, never really uh, spoken to each other until I came to Christep. Yeah. So yeah, it was just a Straight away, a very good feeling with him and yeah. uh, two characters very much that are pretty much alike. Uh-huh. Um, How? Sense of humor, a sense of uh, I, guess I said before, being social and and uh, maybe also a way of uh, enjoying life sometimes. Uh, Not taking it when, too seriously. Uh, exactly, just. Uh, I would, to, to make it very easy live in the dream <laughs> <laughs> And what are the nicknames for the two of you don't you Is't there like a nickname that you both have? Yeah we uh, he has actually there's plenty of those French French words like lulu and yes and yeah he calls me Bobby and so yeah it's it's funny a bit then uh, just really became a good a good friendship, which is uh, quite rare though uh, in sports. But anybody who works in a team
0: must realise, must recognise the huge benefit in actually liking the person you're working with, even more than being being really good friends with them. There's a huge
1: benefit in that. Absolutely, I think it's like in life everything is easier if you first of all like what you do and if you can do it with somebody that you like. It's even easier and even, obviously, the more comfortable you are, the greater the success usually is. So, yeah.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.
2: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
0: what's it like though when you're both going for races that you both could win are you happy if he wins it and you don't or can you the friendship to one side for a bit and and actually compete with each other well you might have wondered that we didn't race much
1: together this year (laughs) no that's true (laughs) (laughs) um no of course for it's not easy for a team also to decide taking two of britain last year yes we were both in an incredible form okay and then there was some point where we just said we go for julian because there was that Deep climb. A oh, win ladder pass. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And uh, there was no individual time trial, there was a, a team time trial. Yeah. Yeah, like I say, it's not easy for a team to decide sometimes if you have two riders who can win. But then again, uh, this is a pretty known situation for quickstep. Yeah, yeah, of course. But for us, it was never really a great deal. I mean, last year we had the most fantastic week in uh, Flash Ballon and Liege of our career so far. So, like I said, there was never any rivalry or during a race. Yeah, so always, well, it's a very honest friendship. And and uh, there must be a special feeling in the
0: team this year as well. Look, so far for De Koenig quick it's been an amazing season. Even Philippe Gilbert winning Paris-Roubaix. I mean, who, who <laughs> saw that coming?
1: Not many people, I guess, after, after a little bit of uh, illness and, and difficulties in the beginning of the season for him, but in general, of course, it's it's unbelievable how every year again, we meet in October, do a little recap of the year. Yeah, so Patrick always makes that speech, guys, I'm really, really proud of of the, I don't know, 60-65 victories we had this year. I know it's gonna be difficult to beat it next year, but uh, and somehow we always manage to at least get very close to that Yeah, number of the year before. Even the riders change and, like I said before, a healthy environment makes you perform better. Uh, it's that kind of friendship I was just ex- describing with uh with Julian that is um of course not not the same with every rider but there is a great deal of uh friendship within the team, within the staff, within and I think that just helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just passed my parents' house.
0: Oh did we? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you ever call in? You must call in
1: when you're on a training ride. Um I regularly stop for, uh, for coffee or something, yeah. Okay,
0: okay. Oh, we should have said hello, I feel bad now.
1: <laughs> no, 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 that's fine.
0: <laughs> well, tell us about this area. So this, is that the house you grew up in as well exactly. that have just gone past?
1: Yeah, so uh, this is my, this is Mersche. This is basically the, uh, the center of Luxembourg. Uh, looking at it um, geographically. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I grew up here. It's uh, What do people do around here? Is there sort of farming or not that much farming? No. It's uh, farming is more even further up north. Okay. I guess there's quite a lot of uh uh industry and then also obviously it's Luxembourg so fair bit of uh
0: banking of course and uh, lots of money. Yes. It's expensive to live here though, right?
1: Uh it is, yeah. But uh, it doesn't change much if, if I'm traveling around a bit. What memories do you have of riding around here as a kid? So this is basically the, the road that I that I would go out almost almost every day. Uh-huh. Because the other side you go towards Luxembourg City, so that was uh, never the best option for training, right? And this part is going, going up north a bit more. Was always my my favorite, and uh, my parents both come in from the very north of Luxembourg, also. Okay. Uh, so I knew the area very well and uh, just enjoyed it. It's, like I said, it's almost perfect training roads, not much traffic, and uh, very good surface.
0: And would you go out with and friends uh, a lot? And do you still have friends around here?
1: Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. So, there's still, still plenty of childhood friends left. And, uh, well, let's say my private life is very, very important to me. And uh, I like to get back to my, back to basics, back to my ropes a bit. And uh, to my roots, sorry. And uh, yeah, it's just enjoyable. And it's good for your head to, Come down and, and uh, see a different, a different world. than this, um, this very not artificial, but this very special world, though, of uh, that cycling world. And, oh yeah, it's a bubble. Spo- sports bubble, like yeah. in, in general. Though.
0: Yeah, I can imagine it's easy to get carried away with it. And,
1: yeah, of yeah, course. Not, and not
0: see family and girlfriends and
1: absolutely. for a long time absolutely and uh being a european rider is already a great uh i don't want to say advantage but it's i mean if you're australian yeah american or it would be very hard for me because it's it's not easy when i left uh when i left here five years ago to switzerland yeah, it wasn't It wasn't easy for my parents, that wasn't easy for me. Did you get so, homesick? Yeah, of course. And even though you're used to it from younger years, yeah. Traveling a lot with national team and but um still I think it's a very maybe it's particular, maybe it's something individual also, but I feel like Luxembourgish people are still very Uh, Luxembourgish and uh, (laughs) they do not leave the country very often.
0: They don't move abroad and do you think think then that when in the far distant future when you've retired from pro racing you'll come back and live here? Uh, I probably will, yeah. Yeah. I probably will. You'll come Um, home. Because I talk about it to a lot of guests. So Simon Gerrans has been a guest on this season recently, he left Australia to race in France and Italy when he was 17. Yeah. And he said, some of the French riders he was up against saying, I, I'd never do that for this, this sport. I'd never go that far away from home. He's lived in Monaco, he's lived in Andorra, and now he's in London with his family.
1: Yes. Which is a very long way from where he grew up. Well, there's always that, that question of choice. How much choice do you have? Yeah. Cycling is central in Europe. At least 10 years ago, it was for sure. Yeah, we start to raise a bit more uh, on other continents also. And uh-huh. Do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy going to the States or China or the Middle East? Of course, it's a way of just discovering the world as well. Yeah, it's like a, a whole in one package <laughs> traveling to enjoying your passion, being with friends, doing your job, hopefully successful. And yeah, I would definitely describe it as a first of all, it's a school for life and uh, also, just a yeah a lifetime experience being a professional cyclist.
0: Are there any bits that you don't enjoy that you would change?
1: Not change right now, of course. You have some days where you would rather stay in bed and yeah, don't go training when the weather is shit or when you just have a bad day or whatever. Yeah. And uh, of course, when you when I was younger, there were sometimes I had to go training when others. They could uh, just sleep out their hangover you know and i was (laughs) i had a headache on my bike (laughs) but i can't say that i really missed anything in my childhood at all yeah like i said i always had a lot of friends and i never really had a feeling that i completely missed something or even now i'm very very happy with the and grateful for all the things I can do. and It doesn't feel like a huge I, sacrifice then? No, it doesn't, no. no.
0: Especially when you're a bit of a petrol head and you've got a Porsche and an AMG Mercedes. and
1: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> of course, this is another, uh, there's always a man and his hobbies. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely, no, it's toys. Uh, um, and
1: his toys. And his toys, exactly. Yeah. So I'm a bit of a petrol head, that's true. And, um,
0: That's quite common yeah. in, the, in the world tour peloton, though, isn't it?
1: It is. It is apparently. Yeah. So, of course, the subject of training rides and discussions in the peloton. And oh, so, really? So, yeah. For myself, I can honestly say it's uh, I appreciate appreciate the the way they build these things. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the way tires or or weight distribution and all that stuff would change uh, behavior of a car for example and
0: that's similar to the scientific way of thinking about bike racing isn't it the weight and the tires and all that technical stuff exactly it reminds me of chris hoy you know the famous yeah british track cyclist who's I think he's driven Le Mans, that's his ambition. Right. The thing is, I, I think when you've got that mental drive to do something like yeah, the pro cycling.
1: Yeah, adrenaline and yeah. all those things, I think they just, uh, it sticks with you in your head. And...
0: So where are we heading now? We've sort of gone north from your parents, have we?
1: Yeah, so this is actually completely direction north.
0: Okay, next up um, Belgium.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs>
0: Thanks so much for showing me your home roads in Luxembourg. I know you're not here very often, so it's really special to have the Luxembourgish national champion showing me around. Thanks a lot.